ഹലക്ന ഹുസ്മിസ്ലാം and we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless every single one of us and our offspring those to come up to the end may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness may he grant us ease may he grant us the ability to serve him in the correct way amen my beloved brothers and sisters you and i know that in life we face difficulties from the time we were born we came to this earth crying We came to this earth crying where we were not crying we were made to cry it is considered normal and natural to immediately break into a yell as you are born because your lungs inflate and because the rest of your organs come into play for the first time it happens so suddenly i would like to think that it also depicts that you will be crying all the way up to the end up to the last of your life The nature of this life is that you will never get exactly what you wish and you want but rather you will get what the almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give you. So let's get this understood. I am going through a lot of difficulties and challenges in my own life and it's normal and natural and you are going through a lot of difficulties and challenges in your lives. It is normal and natural. Do not think for a moment that there is a single one of us or there was a single one of us in the past 
in the present or in the future, there would be not a single one of us would have a life that has no challenges, no difficulties, no hardship. This is all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the nature of this life. This life is known as a life for testing. Al-ibtila is supposed to come to you. Allah has kept it for a short period of time between 60 and 70 years as the hadith. The Prophet says, A'maru ummati ma ila The lifespan of the people of my ummah between 60 and 70 years. If you have lived for beyond 70, wallahi you are living on bonus time from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you have passed away before that, then Allah has already shown that death knows no age. Death knows no age. It has taken those prior to birth, upon birth, immediately after birth and later on. Those in their teens, in their twenties, in their thirties, like I said, death knows no age. But when we die, we are ultimately going to a much better place than we were in or we are in right now. We need to understand this. Death is a door that every single person will have to go through. Death is a door and every single person has to cross the door. We are standing in one line and we are going through the door, one after the other. What is on the other side of the door? Wallahi, there is a better life. There is something eternal. There is something long lasting. Your problems in this world can never ever last forever. So much so, Allah loves us so much that when it comes to pain beyond the specific level of pain, man becomes unconscious. Do you know that? Because Allah does not want you to taste that pain. And beyond a certain level, Allah just takes your soul away to say, I don't want you to taste more than that. If for example, you are injured in a very severe and serious way, you pass out as they say, which means you, you faint or you become unconscious. And while you are unconscious, people are dealing with you perhaps People put you on a life support machine. People put you on something else. All this is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He does not want you to feel beyond a certain threshold of pain. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. And after some time, he says, no, I will take this soul away. I don't want it to taste beyond this particular pain. I'd rather take the soul away. Going to where? Going to the eternal life. The eternal life. It's up to us to prepare from now where we would like to go. So what exactly are we speaking about this evening? We're speaking about the challenges of the chosen. What are the challenges? Everything that we consider an obstacle in life is a challenge. Everything that we consider a difficulty in life is a challenge. If your loved one has passed away, it is a challenge. If people spread rumor about you, it is a challenge. If you are suffering in terms of economic or financial hardship, it is a challenge. If you are suffering in your marriage, it is a challenge. If you do not have children, it is a challenge. If you do have children, but they are only male, it is a challenge. If you do have children, but they are only female, it is a challenge. If you have children, both male and female, looking after them is a challenge. If your children are unruly, it is a challenge. For you to be able to make decisions in life is a great challenge. People will fight you. That is a challenge. As you progress in life, people become jealous of you. It is a challenge. Everything I have just made mention of, I'm sure all of us fit in somewhere, if not in one thing, in many things. And I can go on and on. Let me mention a few more. If you don't have hair on your head, it's a challenge. Ask those who are bald. They have struggled in order to try and get the hair back onto their head. 
Subhanallah, I see we are laughing because we know what it feels like. Yes? If you have pimples on your face, it's a challenge. If you are a little bit heavy, it's a challenge. If you are very light, it's a challenge. These are challenges that people face. Obviously, these are light. The ones I mentioned now, they are not actually so important. But some people make them very important because it is materialistic life that drives us today. If you ask a young person, what is your challenge? He or she will tell you, I don't have the latest iPhone. Well, that is a very minor challenge, but they have been trained to think in a material way. Some of us, the challenge is we don't own a house. We don't have security for our spouses. For example, we don't own a motor vehicle. Trust me, my brothers and sisters, the majority of the world does not own a house. The majority of people on earth do not own homes. They live from the point of life up to the point of death in rented property. Remember, they have also lived. Sometimes the quality of their life is better than those who own a house. So that is not something that is a real problem as in regarding your survival. Yes, it is a challenge because challenges differ from person to person. When it comes to speaking the truth, the challenge is people do not accept the truth. When it comes to falsehood, people talk against us. That is a challenge. So I'm giving you so many of these examples and you will hear more through this evening's talk of mine. The reason is I want to give myself and yourselves a lot of comfort by going through the lives of those who are the best of creation chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to carry the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the rest of not only mankind but even jinn kind and some of the other creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They went through challenges and difficulties, wallahi, far greater than that which you and I have ever gone through. So let's ask ourselves a question, who are the chosen? Now that we know what the challenges are, who are the chosen? When we say the term chosen, obviously we are all chosen to be here right now by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We made the effort. So the term chosen differs depending on the context in which you are using that term. If you are using it connected to this speech tonight or this function, mashallah, we are chosen. I see, alhamdulillah, the hall is absolutely full. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I'd like to thank you and all those who are listening online as well for making the effort to try and listen to a good word. I'm sure our intention is we want to come here to listen to a message that will inspire us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, delivered to us in a way that is palatable to us, that we can digest. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. May He improve our intentions. May He make us from those who are sincere to Him at all times. So those who are chosen, yes, there are people who are chosen to lead and others are chosen to be led. There are people who are chosen in positions of leadership politically. Some are chosen in positions of leadership religiously. Some are chosen in positions of leadership financially. They have been given more by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Have you seen a person who works so many hours in the day, two shifts sometimes or three shifts sometimes, and yet the person does not earn more than a few pesos in the day? And sometimes another man, he comes and he makes one phone call and he's already made 5 million pesos. Why? One phone call. This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes he who has graduated from studying for a lifelong 25, 30, 40 years, and then they graduate with PhD, they become doctors and lawyers and accountants. Sometimes those people can be poorer than a person who did not go beyond grade 7. And we have seen it. 
Because Allah is proving to you and to me that finance has nothing to do with education. It has to do with whether Allah has given you or not. Yes, you must make an effort, you must try. But at the end of the day, Allah might give someone who didn't even go to school. Take a look at the richest of the globe. A lot of them did not really pass when they studied. They went to O-level, A-level perhaps, according to the British system. And they did not really go beyond and they went into trade. I know of a story of a man who started off by selling tomatoes on the road. And today he is a multi-millionaire on the globe, subhanallah. How did he start? By selling tomatoes and cabbages, a vegetable vendor. And he used to push wheelbarrows on the street. And he became a person who owns so many buildings. And he owns at least, subhanallah, such a huge amount that he's recognized as one of the wealthy people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. These are the challenges we face. Some of the chosen people, like I said, in the context of what you are speaking about. So today... I'd like to tell you that the chosen we are speaking about are those whom Allah speaks about in the Quran as the chosen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِنَّهُمْ عِنْدَنَا لَمِنَ الْمُصْطَفَيْنَ الْأَخْيَارِ He speaks of the prophets, the messengers, and he says, according to us or by us, they are the ones who are indeed the chosen, Al-Mustafain, those who are chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the best. He speaks of some of the messengers. And here, it's just referring to two of the messengers. This surah has in it made mention of so many of the other messengers chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Guess what? Every one of them, including Adam alayhi salam, the first of our species, has been through difficulty upon difficulty upon difficulty. Allah is telling you and I that if I love those so much and they have been through hardship, you need to know you must expect even more. But out of my love, I give those whom I love greater hardship than the others. What does that mean? Why does Allah say when I love someone, I test him? You know what the hadith of Muhammad says? It says, when Allah loves a worshipper, He tests him. He puts challenges. Things don't go according to your liking. Allah loves you. This is why we say, my brothers and sisters, when things do not happen according to your liking, do not think that it is the punishment of Allah. Rather, it is a test of Allah. It may be a gift and it may be a punishment, but if you consider it a test, you will be able to pass. If you consider it, for example, something otherwise, how are you going to pass that test? So why does Allah say, when He loves you, He tests you? Let me explain. My brothers and sisters, a simple, common, logical point. When your life is smooth, your salary is in its millions, you have the best of homes, you have a lovely wife and beautiful children, you have a lovely car and a nice house, and you are... You are you know, flowing beautifully, the food that you want is there, you have so many people working for you, ensuring that everything is in order. Sometimes your life is too comfortable, so you forget Allah. So you forget Allah. There are a lot of people who've forgotten Allah. And Allah says, those people, the hypocrites, they forget Allah, so Allah says, okay, we're going to forget you too. It's okay. Forget you meaning, we know about you, we are taking account. 
But we will not come to your assistance, neither in this world nor in the hereafter. Because you chose a life that was far from your own maker. Yet when you were made initially, the covenant and the pledge was that you worship the one who made you alone until the position of death. وَاعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ Worship your Rabb. What is the meaning of Rabb? Rabbun, the creator, nourisher, cherisher, sustainer, provider, protector, the one in whose hands is absolute control of every aspect of your existence, your cure and everything else. That is the term Rabbun, made up of three letters in the Arabic language, Ra, Ba and Ba. Three letters. It means the one who, who made you in the first place and provided for you everything you have. When you go to prostration, what we call sujood, what do we say? Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. We are declaring the praise of my Rabb. What is my Rabb? Oh, you who made me, who is providing for me. You are the highest. I am declaring your praise. Now my head is on the ground. I am the lowest. You are the highest. The most beautiful position for anyone to be in, whether it comes to medical purposes or spiritual purposes or just to feel good, you go into prostration for the right reasons and you will see it is the only position where the mind or the brain is lower than the heart. So the blood gush to that brain is absolutely amazing. It is much more than if you were standing like I am doing right now. So don't rush when it comes to sujood. Did you know that the postures of prayer are so powerful even to stretch your nerves and, your, and the rest of your muscles and so on. Although the intention is to worship Allah, this is just a side bonus. If someone's intention is, I'm going to read Salah so that I can stretch my back, they will not get the reward of Salah. They will get a reward of stretching their back. But you need to have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in mind. I'm going to read Salah for Allah. Whatever He has provided me as a result is a bonus. When you say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and you turn your head all the way to the right shoulder and the left shoulder correctly, you have actually exercised your entire spine, subhanallah. And when you look down, when you are standing in prayer, people say, why should I look down? What is there haram in the masjid that I should not look? You know, I don't need to lower my gaze. Let me look wherever I want. The truth is, I was reading an article two days ago about the benefits to your eyes for focusing upon certain positions. And we do it so many times a day. It's amazing. You are standing, the distance is more. You are focused. You go to Rukur, the distance is less. You are focused. You go, for, for example, you are sitting in the sitting position. The focus is upon a different level. These are all gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we will worship Allah right up to the point of death. That is the meaning of the verse that I recited earlier. Worship your Rabb. Your Rabb meaning the one who made you. Worship Him until the point of death. When death comes to you, then you will get the result of your final test. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all achieve the best result. Remember, it is solely and only achieved by worshipping your maker alone as per the instruction of the messenger who was sent to us to teach us how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's take a look. These chosen people, who is the best of creation? If I were to ask you right now, Allah's creatures, 
afdalul khalqi wa akramul rusuli. Who is he? The best of creation. Tell me, what's his name? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Amazing. Guess what? He had challenges upon challenges from before his birth. He was born, his father had already passed away. People would say, oh, often, often. Wallahi, that's the most love to Allah. This is a point of consolation to all those who are orphans to say, you know what? The one whom Allah says is the best of creation was actually an orphan. Allah shows that, you know what? We will look after you. You know, when we get married, mashallah, may Allah grant us spouses who will be the coolness of our eyes and children who will be the offspring coolness of our eyes as well. When we get married, you know what happens? We say, oh Allah, give me a life so that I can have children. Then you have children, oh Allah, give me a life so that at least I can see my children grow up. Then your children grow up, oh Allah, give me a life so that I can get my children married and settled. Oh Allah, my children are settled, give me a life that I can see my grandchildren. <laughs> when you, oh Allah, give me a life that I can see my grandchildren getting married. It doesn't stop. Allah says, we will take you when we want. Because if we asked you when to go, nobody would want to go. But we know you have to go. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. So sometimes we say, oh Allah, don't take me away because I don't want my children to be orphaned. But you don't know, maybe if you are gone, they might have a better life. Allahu Akbar, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a good life. How many orphans do you know, I know, who have a good life? They were looked after by someone. Life didn't stop for them. Yes, some of them do face challenges. That is a duty upon us. Myself and the one who looks after the orphans will be like this in paradise. To be orphaned is a challenge, but to look after the orphans is a greater challenge. And the messenger, peace be upon him, says, if you are there to actually help those who are in this difficulty, I will be with you in paradise. Why? I have been sent to help people in difficulty. We have not sent you, O Muhammad, peace be upon him, except as a means of mercy for all the worlds, for all existence. You are a means and a point of mercy for all of them. So whatever you teach, whatever you do, they will be achieving mercy if they follow. This, the example that you have laid and the instructions of ours that you have conveyed to them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us follow these instructions. Point of mercy to the animals. Being kind towards animals. If you see a dog that is dying and if you see a cat that is dying of thirst, did you know that perhaps you can earn paradise through looking after or through quenching the thirst of a dog or a cat even though a dog is a dirty animal? It's in the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But we as Muslimin are taught to prioritize. It is a word that some people have forgotten. Prioritization means if I see a dog drowning and I see a human being drowning, I, I will have an intention to save both, but I will start with one. Which one? Some of the married men might say with the dog, Astaghfirullah. May Allah forgive us. Let that not happen. <laughs> Astaghfirullah. I've heard that once I asked this question and some men said with the dog, with the dog. Astaghfirullah. May Allah forgive us. I hope you understood what was being implied, but I don't want to say it because it's wrong. The reality is we will start with the human being even if they are not Muslim, even if they are Hindus, even if they are atheists, no matter what. We have a duty unto fellow human beings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it in the Quran. 
ومن أحياها فكأنما أحيا الناس جميعا Whoever saves a soul Allah didn't say Muslim Allah didn't say someone who's your brother your neighbor maybe even someone who you don't agree with on so many things he's drowning you go and you save this person Allah says it is as though you have saved entire humanity because you have set down a brilliant example and you have now stood up to the challenge that was faced by both of you for that person it was a challenge they were drowning it reminds me today when someone is drowning and they're saying help help we take out our phones and say wait hang on hang on let me take a photo quickly I can put it on Instagram that's the attitude we have today. My brothers and sisters, throw your phone out and dive in. Go and help. Go and help. We will have 50 people taking photos and at the end they drown. And you say, I actually got it on camera. They died. I got it on camera. What were you doing videoing them? Go and help them. Allahu Akbar. May Allah grant us sanity. Sometimes we lose our brains because we want to do something without prioritization. That's why I use the word to prioritize. Because it's important to know how to prioritize. My brothers and sisters, so you saved one life. What does Allah do for you? Perhaps Allah might grant you Jannah as a result. You know, I usually look at the Battle of Badr. And I take a look at the captives, the prisoners of war, those who were enemies and combatants against the messenger and against the muslimin and those who were actually taken captive the prophet sallallahu treated them with utmost respect he fed them and clothed them and he ensured that he gave them the opportunity to earn their freedom a lot of them were told if any one of you can read or write now you know at that time reading and writing was the in thing meaning very few people read and wrote they had memories they, they actually memorized everything so much so that if they saw a camel, they would know that camel's lineage back to seven generations. They would be able to tell you the lineage of the camel. I challenge you and myself to rattle out the names of your seven fathers. Anyone? Can you put up your hand if you know your name and seven of your forefathers? Put up your hand, stand up, we want to hear it. I don't see a single hand. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, I see one or two hands. Let's give you the benefit of the doubt. The point is made. Subhanallah. That the bulk of us, we don't even know our own lineage, our own family, our own. And yet, how are you going to maintain relations with people whom you are supposed to maintain relations with when you do not know that they are related to you? Allah says to us, regarding Dawil Arham, those who are related to you, they have rights over you and you have rights. Your family members, how will you fulfill those rights when you don't even know who you are related to? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. May He make us from among those who understand. So the point being raised is they used to know the generations of the camels. With us, we don't. They, few of them used to read and write. The Prophet peace be upon him looked at them. They were facing a challenge. The Muslimin were facing a challenge. What was the challenge? There were many of the Muslimin who were unlettered. Unlettered does not mean uneducated. The Prophet ﷺ was unlettered, but he was the most highly educated. There is a difference between the two. Some people think that unlettered means illiterate. Illiterate perhaps is the wrong term. Unlettered means unable to read or write. Allah says, Allahu Akbar. 
Allah says, it is he who sent the messenger in the midst of the unlettered. One of them who is unlettered just like them, but he was reciting. What? The verses of Allah. Means he was highly educated. Whatever we have today, he knew. He was educated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he had the highest qualification ever. But he was unlettered for reasons best known to Allah. Nobody would be able to come and say he copied it from someone. Well, he couldn't read. وَمَا كُنْتَ تَتْلُو مِنْ قَبْلِهِ مِنْ كِتَابٍ وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكِ إِذَا لَرْتَابَ الْمُبْطِلُونَ You did not used to recite, O Muhammad وسلم, from the book, nor could you write. They cannot come in with doubts saying you copied it because you cannot read, you cannot write. You just, you did not used to recite before this. When we revealed to you, you began to recite. Anyway, getting back to my point, the Prophet ﷺ tells these captives, if any one of you teaches 10 of us how to read and write, we will free you. We will grant you freedom. Now, take a moment to understand the statement. According to the kuffar or the disbelievers, for example, at that particular time, those were mushrikeen, they were idol worshippers, they were polytheists. According to them, they used to say, We have nothing besides this world, die and life, which means we are alive now and we will die and that's it, enjoy. You know, nowadays people say YOLO, you've heard it, isn't it? You only live once. YOLO, that's what they say. You only live once. What does that mean? It is sometimes calling you towards misbehavior, telling you that you know what? Do as you please. You only live once. You're not going to get another opportunity. Islam says you, you actually don't live once. You live twice. You're living now and there is a life that is the life of eternity that is going to come later. In that life, you will do as you wish. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Lahum for those who are in paradise, they will have whatever they wish in Jannah, in paradise. And we have something extra for them. Do you know what is the extra that Allah is speaking about? The meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to see Allah. Wouldn't you like to see He who made you? I would love to meet with my maker, subhanallah. Well, Allah says, well, if you work hard, you will be able to meet your maker. Indeed, may Allah grant us that day and may Allah make us happy the day we receive our books. May Allah give, it, give our books to us on the right hand and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in fact take us to Jannah without even reckoning because there will be people who will be entering paradise without reckoning. So they were told, if you teach 10 people to read or write, we will give you your paradise. What is their paradise? This world. This worldly life is the paradise of those mushrikeen. They were told if you, you are now captive, right? If you teach 10 people some form of goodness to read and write, we will give you your paradise. The question I have is for 10 of the mushrikeen to teach 10 of the muslimin something not related directly to the deen, but only to read and write, something secular, to be honest with you, they would achieve their freedom from captivity in this world. Surely, for you and I who are believers, 
when we teach and reach out to others, teaching them the deen and the goodness and helping them through their challenges, don't you think that the mercy of Allah dictates that we will also be granted freedom from that hellfire and entry into what we would term our own paradise? I'm quite sure that that will happen by the mercy of Allah. This is why my brothers and sisters reach out to others. Reach out to everyone as best as you can. Do you know what it's called? It's called sadaqatun jariya. It's called a charity that will continue. That is the only charity that will continue earning you reward, clocking good mileage for you even after you have died. You helped people, they were empowered. They continued and they, they were their challenges were, for example, faced in a way that the suffering was alleviated because of you. Allah will reward you forever. Whoever sets a good example, whoever does something really good and others emulate that brilliant example of theirs, Allah says they will get a full reward not only for themselves, but everyone else who follows that good example up to the day of judgment and you will not be reduced in any way whatsoever. When you do business, someone tells you, look, I have products. If you become my salesman, I will give you. What percentage do they normally say? What is a good percentage? Say any, any figure that's a decent percentage to be given. 10%. 10% we will give you. Wallahi, if it's a million pesos, you have a hundred thousand. Mashallah, I think it's a decent deal. But Allah says, no, we will give you 100% of what they have got. 100% we will give it to you. No problem. The problem, my mothers and sisters, my brothers and fathers who are here this evening, we are lazy sometimes. We are lacking. We lose hope. So, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam born an orphan. How many of us, subhanallah, have looked after orphans? If you have, you have helped yourself before anyone else. When we give a charity to a beggar or to a poor person, or we help someone in their suffering, wallahi, more than you have helped them mend their problems in this world, they have actually helped you mend your problems of the hereafter. This is why the Prophet, peace be upon him, says, and in another narration, he says, Whoever helps someone in this life by alleviating their suffering or contributing towards assisting them in their challenges, Allah will help alleviate their suffering on the day of judgment. And in another narration, in this world and the next, Allah will help you in whatever way. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as he grew older, he had so many different challenges. He went to Badia to Bani Sa'ad. He was sent to Halima, the murdi'ah, the woman who breastfed him. And after some time, she came back with the same young boy. They did not used to take orphan children. You know, at that time, the challenge was, they used to send their children to the rural areas those which were distant from the cities because they wanted their children to grow up with manners and powerful language. They were fearful that if they grow up in the city, perhaps they might pick up some bad habits. So the people from the towns or the, the rural areas would come up and they would get a wage, a salary. The salary would actually then uh, pay them for doing what? For looking after and taking care of the infants from a very early age. They didn't want to take him because he was an orphan. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a plan. There was a special woman who had to take him. 
And then when he went, after some time, there was an incident that occurred, she came back with the child who said, you know what? I don't want to look after this child anymore because Allah wanted the child to come back. We look at issues in life and we start thinking to ourselves, oh, this is a very big problem, but you don't know it is actually not a problem. It is the mercy of Allah. وَعَسَىٰ أَن تُحِبُّوا شَيْئًا وَهُوَ شَرٌ لَكُمْ First part of the verse, Allah says, عَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُوا شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ Perhaps you dislike something, but it's good for you. Perhaps you dislike something, it's good for you. You know, I will never forget, we had disasters in this part of the world, regarding aircraft that were lost. And I'm sure you know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on those who passed away and a great challenge for those who have remained because obviously some of them do not have closure yet. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help them in every single way and may He not test us with tests that are too big for us to actually go through. But the point I want to raise is, I read a story of a man who was so upset because he missed his flight. He was angry and shouting and so on and so forth. And guess what happened? When he heard what happened, he was the most thankful person ever. Ever. Why? Because he missed his flight. And the flight disappeared. May Allah forgive us and them as well. Like I'm saying, this is a true example in our lives. Sometimes Allah did not want you there. Allah protected you from something you don't know. You know, sometimes you are not welcome somewhere. So you don't go. And you don't go thinking, oh, you know, now I have a problem here or there, I'm not welcome. But Allah says, hang on, what was happening in that home or in that place was something we did not want you to participate in at that particular time. When the time is right, you will go back. Don't worry. Like what happened to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, another challenge. He was driven out of his house. How many of you were driven out of your homes? You know, we talk about Balik Islam. We talk about people who have entered the fold of Islam. Everyone faces different challenges. Some families are open-minded. They will embrace you. Some are not. Some will harass you and trouble you. Don't worry. Go back and read the stories, the challenges of the chosen. Wallahi. Those messengers and their followers, the Sahaba, the companions who were the best. Like the Hadith says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked at all the souls. And he saw the best and he chose it for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He looked at the souls, he chose the messengers. He looked at the souls, he chose the companions of the messenger. May peace be upon them all. These are chosen people, Allah chose. Allahu yastafi minal malaikati rusulan wa minan it is Allah who has chosen from the angels whom he wants to be messengers with whatever task he wants to hand over to them. And it is Allah who has chosen from mankind the messengers whom he wants to carry his message. So they went through difficulties, problems. They were driven out of their homes. Look at Bilal ibn Rabah radiallahu anhu, Khabbab ibn al-Arat radiallahu anhu. Take a look at these names, every one of them. Go and listen to the stories of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And before you read or listen to their stories, you need to ask yourself, are they better than me or am I better than them? The answer is definitely in the eyes of Allah, they were better. But wallahi, they went through so much of hardship. They went through so much of difficulty. They were never depressed. Do you know why? The Prophet, peace be upon him in Ta'if, he made the powerful statement. 
You know what happened in Taif? The Prophet, peace be upon him, was actually pelted by the children. He was made to bleed, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was scoffed at, mocked at. This is a point of consolation for those whom that happens to on the globe today. If you have Islamic identity, there will be the ignorant few, and that number seems to be growing, who will laugh at you. They will mock at you. They will not want you to dress appropriately. They will not want you to fulfill your prayer. They will not want you to eat halal. They will not want you to do anything that happens to be in the pleasure of Allah. Do you know what? It happened to people before you as well. They told Bilal ibn Rabah that if you are to disbelieve in Muhammad, we will leave you. And wallahi, there is an option of doing that if your life is at stake. But he chose not to do it. He kept on saying, I worship my maker alone. One, only one, my God. I don't want to worship these idols. I won't. Ahadun, ahad. I'm sure you've heard that statement. He kept on saying it. Those were challenges they went through far bigger than any Balik Islam can ever go through. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. Sometimes not only Balik Islam. Balik Islam here, for those who don't know, refers to those who have reverted to Islam and are facing challenges. Sometimes we face challenges from the Muslims themselves. They are racist. They are nepotist sometimes. They will never ever accept you because they are weak. They don't know Islam. They are ignorant. They still need to refine their own Islam. I have known of many reverts, wallahi. They are more powerful ever than the Muslims that I have known who are generations Muslims. Why? Because some have been overtaken by arrogance. Whereas those who have humbled themselves to be, wallahi. Let's listen to this. To be strong, to face the challenges of your whole family going against you because you declared that you want to worship Allah alone and now your own Muslims are troubling you. Allahu Akbar. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed kept it as a test for us. Do not be the means and the source of the troubles of other people. Wallahi, if that is the case, you have failed. Do not be the source of the grievance of others. If that is the case, you have failed. Be a person who is the source of facilitating goodness for others. Be a person who is the source of peace and tolerance and stability. And that which will be creating goodness for everyone else, rather than being known as a person who was tough and rough. You will die leaving behind a legacy, my brothers and sisters. What is your legacy? Is your legacy that you made life tough for those who entered the fold of Islam? Is your legacy that you were a racist? Is your legacy that you were a person who defied the law of Allah, yet you called yourself a Muslim. If that was the case, you were part of the problem, not a part of the solution. When you die, people will thank Allah. Oh Allah, I thank you for taking this person away. May Allah forgive us. Do you really want to be a person whom when you die, your family will say, oh Allah, I thank you. I was waiting for this day for 10 years. Ya Allah. But at least it came now. No, we want to be a person when we die, people will remember us. You know, there is a poet who once said a couplet, O son of Adam, when you came to this world, you came crying. And those around you were smiling in happiness. Do you agree? When you came to this world, you came crying. And those around you were smiling in happiness. So live your life in such a way that when you leave this world, you will leave this world smiling and those around you will be crying at the loss. Did you hear that? That's how I need to lead my life. When I go, people must miss me to say, MashaAllah, he did good work. May Allah accept it. The same applies to every one of us. So they were facing challenges one after the other. 
Do not be the source of the grievance of someone because Allah will test you with something bigger. Allah is the boss of everyone. Allah is the creator. He knows when you oppress, it becomes even greater oppression against you. Don't think you can run away. Once the Prophet ﷺ was faced with one of his companions who was beating up the worker of his. You know, those who work for us. Sometimes we treat them rough. We treat them badly. We disrespect them. We don't talk to them with dignity. So he was treating his worker badly. He was beating him. And the Prophet ﷺ tapped him on his shoulder and said, Do you know that Allah has greater control over you than you have over this particular person? And he was so shocked and he was so frightened. He says, Oh Messenger, I have freed him for the sake of Allah. Hoping that inshallah he will achieve freedom. Yet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself, Wallahi, like I said, they were never depressed. Do you know why? They knew that this world is all about tests. In Ta'if, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Oh Allah, Oh Allah, if you are happy with me, there's nothing else I want. If you are not upset with me, everything else is okay. I don't mind. For as long as you are happy with me. Subhanallah, amazing. Oh Allah, you are happy with me. Then everything else, this challenge is nothing. I'm going to go back to you anyway. I want to tell you, Allah has to test you because this life is an examination. How can you go to school and you enter and every day you tell the teacher, please don't test me. Please don't test me. I have to test you. You go to the college, you want a certificate because you want to graduate, but you don't want the examination. Come examination, everyone's going in the hall and you say, I don't want to exam, I don't want to be tested. I don't want the examination, I'm walking out. How can you do that? You cannot. It is foolish. It is unacceptable. If you take a look at it, you have to have the test. So this life is like a big school. And every day we have different tests and you have to write the exam. And the bigger the examination, the greater the certificate. Remember that. When Allah tested you, the one you love the most has gone, passed away. Sabr, 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 you have a PhD. Sabr, you have a PhD in what? In relations with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if you had no sabr, you failed the examination. You had an opportunity. This is why you cannot say, Oh Allah, don't test me because you have to be tested. But you say, Oh Allah, do not test me with tests that will be too difficult for me to pass. Allah does not burden a soul with that more than the soul can shoulder. That's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't worry. Take it in your stride. Stand up. Seek the help of Allah. You will continue. Those from amongst us been through divorce. Don't let it become ugly. The mud slinging after divorce is not necessary. It's a test. When people ask you what went wrong, say, you know what? We were two different people. We were two good people. We didn't get along. Alhamdulillah, maybe she might get along with you. That's what the Sahaba radiallahu anhum used to do. Do you know that? They used to say, look, she didn't get along with me, but I think maybe she will get along with you. They did not used to go out and expose and make people embarrassed and so on. Because you want to expose someone in this world, Allah might expose you when the day of judgment is there in front of the whole of creation. You don't want that to happen. This is why the hadith says, Man satara musliman, satarahu Allahu fi dunya wal ukhra. Whoever covers the faults of a fellow believer, Allah will cover their faults in this world and in the next. You want Allah to cover your faults? cover the faults of others. Say good things about people. Look at Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said good things about people. He always spoke highly of people. He tried his best and that is why he achieved. 
You ask yourself, one man in the middle of the desert where there was no phones, no internet, no microphone, nothing, no telephone, zero. But today he has a following of 2 billion people. 2 billion following. The number of likes on his posts, 2 billion. 2 billion likes on his post without even having Instagram. How? It's because his character, his conduct, his purity, the fact that he was assisted by Allah directly, the best of creation. If we follow him, wallahi, the bare minimum is that we will be able to achieve the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many people are famous on earth, but in reality they are not even known in the heavens because they don't do good deeds. And how many people, they are not known on earth, but in reality they are so famous in the skies and in the heavens because every day the angels are taking their good deeds up. Every day. Subhanallah. You don't have to be a famous person to be a person who's going to go to paradise. Sometimes a person you never knew would be probably higher than all of us put together and they were inconspicuous on earth. So I was making mention of a very important point and I want to repeat it. To be content when your challenge comes to you. Be happy. Happy in the sense that, Oh Allah, I have a difficulty. It's a very great difficulty. For example, I have a health matter. For example, I'm just giving you an example. I have a health matter. Ya Allah, it's a very great problem. I know, Oh Allah, help me through my problem. I'm not questioning you. I know that you have chosen this for me, but help me through the matter. Questioning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not help. The chosen never questioned Allah. Why did you do this? They knew that there is something better in it. They knew that. How do we learn from them? By questioning Allah, you will never find a solution. Nobody ever who has questioned Allah has found a solution to their problem. Not once. Never. Show me anyone who said, why me? And suddenly the solution came, okay, not you, not you, someone else. Did it ever happen? No. It was you, yes, he chose you, he knows why. Sit and think. Perhaps get counseling, get guidance as to why and you will know. So I was speaking right at the beginning about a very interesting point that sometimes when we are wealthy and life is all smooth, we forget Allah. We forget Allah, no salah, we are in the clubs, we are committing adultery, we are you know, drowned in all this dirty music that's available on earth and so on and our life is in the fast lane. And Allah loves you. Allah loves you for some other reason. For some other reason. And He wants you to come. So what he does, he taps you. What is the tapping? He takes away something you really love or he gives you a test, a challenge. So suddenly you drop and you had a minor heart attack. You had a minor heart attack. And what happened? <gasps> ya Allah, Ya Allah, Oh Allah, cure me. Stop. La ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah You see, sometimes when, when the plane is flying, you know, people when they go on the aircraft, they're all excited and they're happy. And a lot of people, they, they don't dress properly because they think we're on a journey, on a holiday. Let's do what we want. And suddenly, there is turbulence on air, in the air. And the plane is moving and shaking and dropping from side to side. Even those who are not dressed properly, they say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. They are declaring the praise of Allah. Oh Allah, save us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, my children, my children, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, save us, Ya Why? The sincerity levels are so high, my brothers and sisters, because you desperately need Allah, don't you? Wasn't that a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you? It was a gift of Allah for you to say, I love you so much. Come close to me. Come, come. And you call out to Allah, Allah says, Wow, this is beautiful. For the first time you are actually crying to me. Yet you were the strong man. 
You were a powerful person. You never thought of me. Today you thought of me. MashaAllah. Do you know what? Because of your sickness, you came to me. Because all the doctors told you we can do nothing. Now you are crying to me, tahajjud every night. I love it so much. I want to keep you like that for 20 more years. You're happy? No, 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 oh Allah, no, no. Grant me cure, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, grant me cure. I will continue with this tahajjud even after I'm cured. And you know what? Suddenly Allah says, okay, after two, three years, right, we are giving you the cure. So you're cured. Oh, mashallah, my results were clear. Guess what? Following morning, we don't even get up for Salatul Fajr. Why? Because you forgot Allah once again. Don't treat Allah like that. Ta'arraf ilallahi fi ya'rifka fi shiddati. If you get close to Allah at days of ease, during times of ease, Allah will come close to you during times of difficulty. So you need to know, when, when you are crying to Allah, Allah loves it, your heart is soft. Maybe He wants to keep you like that. Now you can go back and say, Oh Allah, don't keep me like that, Ya Allah. I, will, I dedicate my life to you. I would continue, Ya Allah. My brothers and sisters, how many of us, when we are sick, we say, Oh Allah, I will give this whole I will give so much to charity. I'm going to build a masjid. I'm going to do this. Ya Allah, cure me. You know what the hadith says about people who vow? Listen, very interestingly. Some people say, Oh Allah, if you cure me, I will read two rakaat of salah. Oh Allah, if you cure me, I will read 10 Quran. You know, some people say that. They make a vow. The hadith says, don't make those vows. They are makruh. Makruh meaning it's not good to make a vow. Why? It is extracting an act of worship from a stingy person. It is extracting an act of worship from a person who does not want to worship Allah. Allah is not a baby. He's not a child. Astaghfirullah. For the child, you say, come here. Come, come, come. If you come, I will give you a sweet. Right? That's what you tell the child. So if the child doesn't come, you don't want to give the sweet. Does that mean if Allah does not cure you, you don't want to worship Allah? Is that what it means? How can you say that? So if you do make a promise, you must fulfill it. But from the beginning, don't make these promises. Just call out to Allah, make dua, supplicate, ask Allah. You don't need to promise Him big, big things. Say, oh Allah, I've changed my life. Grant me happiness. Oh Allah, I'm here for Umrah or for Hajj. Forgive me, grant me cure, grant me alleviation in the challenge that I have. Ya Allah, I'm going through very big problems. You help me, Ya Allah. But stop saying, if you help me, I will go for Hajj. No, you go for Hajj and make dua there that Allah help you. That's the better way of doing things. These are the ways to face the challenges that we have. And this is what was taught by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So, you know, when we see Muhammad sallallahu alayhi he was an orphan. After that, he was married. He was a widower as well. He lost his wife. Khadija binti Khawailid radiallahu anha initially. So no one from amongst us who's a widower can say, that oh, people don't know what I'm going through. No, the best went through the same problem. How did he deal with it? He spoke good about her after her death. And he spoke good about her all the time. And he prayed for her, supplicated, asking Allah to forgive her. Similarly, if you have lost your children in your life, you've lost your children, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, the chosen one, he lost all of his children, all of them in his lifetime, besides one. The males in infancy and childhood, the females, when they grew up, he lost them. All of them passed away during his life, besides one. Fatima radiallahu anha, she lived a little while later. The rest of them, 
they passed away. How did he look? He was a human being. He had his son Ibrahim, and Ibrahim, the son of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his soul was be departing the body, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he had a tear in his eye, and he cried. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum looking at him, and he made a powerful statement. He says, Innama hiya rahmatun. Indeed, this is the mercy of Allah. I'm not crying because I'm questioning Allah. I'm not crying because I don't agree with what Allah did. But I'm crying because it's a mercy in my heart towards the child that Allah has placed. But I know that this child belonged to Allah. And Allah only lent the child to us for a short space of time. When you say my wife, my son, my daughter, my father, that word my does not depict complete ownership. Complete ownership only belongs to Allah. Allah allows you to use the word my to depict temporary and limited ownership. Temporary and limited link, not even ownership. My son. Allah says, well, he is my creature before that. I gave him to you. And guess what? I'm going to take him back after two years. He's going to come back to me. Allah knows. So when he does go, you cannot say, oh Allah, you are not merciful. How can you take my son away? Allah says, I know what is mercy. I gave him to you in the first place. I know what is going on. I want to grant him goodness and I want his taking away to be a means of your entry into paradise. So you just need to bear patience. Look at what the chosen said when he was faced with the same challenge. He said, what did he say? He said, Indeed, for Allah belongs whatever he took away. It was always his from the very beginning. And indeed, everything that Allah has created, he has created it with a time tag. When Allah made you, time tag. Take a look at the old people, those who are older. Do you know what? You will find that they were young as well. Tell them, do you have any photos when you were young? I want to see. They will smile. They will open the album. They will show you, oh, I was 18. Wallahi, they were more handsome than you. Ooh, you know, my mom, she was a looker in her days. That's what people will say. What did you just say? She was a looker in what? In her days. What's the meaning of in her days? Are you trying to say now is not her days? That's what you're saying, isn't it? So whose days are they? Well, she will tell you, my daughter, I was more energetic than you are. I perhaps, I don't think any mother would tell her daughter that I was prettier than you. But at the same time, I was given and blessed with so much. I just want to remind you that a day will come when you too will not be able to walk. So use your faculty of walking or the legs that you have in the right direction. The hadith speaks about five opportunities that you must make use of before they are overtaken by five conditions and then you regret. Your youth, your young age, your health, your wealth, your time, and at the same time, your entire life. You need to use these things while you have them. Allah says, I will definitely take them away, all of them. I'm going to take your young age away. I'm going to take your wealth away. I'm going to take your health away. I'm going to take your free time away. And I'm going to take your life away ultimately. So while you have it, use it correctly. Rise to the challenges. Muhammad, peace be upon him. 
The enemies came for him. How many of us enemies come for us? Yes, they do. We have challenges in our own little problems, in our own circles. We have challenges. Don't let that make you distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Get close to Allah. Alhamdulillahi ala kulli hal. Wa na'udhu billahi min hali ahli nar. We thank Allah upon all conditions. Oh Allah, what you put in my direction, I thank you for it. And I seek your protection from the condition of the people of hellfire. Which means, don't make me fail my test, oh Allah. Oh Allah, help me through my test. My mothers and sisters, we are going through challenges. My fathers and brothers who are here, we are going through difficulties. I'm sure some of you are ill. May Allah grant you cure. Some of you are diagnosed with terminal diseases, sicknesses. May Allah grant you His miracle. May Allah grant you cure. Don't lose hope in the mercy of Allah. The Prophet Muhammad people spread rumors about him. Do you know that? They spread rumors about Aisha radiallahu anha. She was the chosen, known as As-Siddiqatu binti Siddiq radiallahu anhuma. The truthful, the daughter of the truthful. And people accused her of adultery. Do you know that? She is one of the purest of women to exist. Allah speaks about her chastity in the Quran. Allah speaks about her innocence in Surah An-Nur. That is Aisha radiallahu anha, our mothers, one of our mothers. She went through the challenge. People accused her. So when people accuse you and I, who are we? Who are we? They will accuse, they will spread rumors. They will say false things. Do you know what they said about Muhammad, peace be upon him? The challenges he faced. They said, you are after money, that's all. Then they said, he's after women, that's it. Then they said, he's after power, that's it. Then they said, he's a madman. Then they said, he is a magician. Then they said, he is crazy. And they said so many things. And they came to him and they told him, you know what? You want marriage? We will marry you with the most beautiful of our women. You choose and decide. If you want power, we make you our leader. If you want wealth, we will give you our riches. But we want you to stop calling towards the worship of one God. You know what he said at the end of that statement? Are you over? He says, Wallahi, if you put the sun in my right hand and the moon in my left hand and ask me to stop saying what I am saying right now, I will never stop. Because that is not what I am after. They lived in their glories for a short period of time. And guess what happened? A few years later, Allah granted the Muslimin victory. He came back to face some of the same people. And this is when he said, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, Mada tadhunnuna anni fa'ilum bikum. O oh people of Quraysh, you who killed us, you who drove us out of our homes, you who did so much harm to us, you who built armies and made them to come to us in order to fight us, you who intended to harm us, today we are victorious over you. You are all standing here. What do you think I'm going to do to you? He says. Obviously they look at the man. He has power. He has authority. He is the victor today. You cannot talk because why? What are you going to tell him? Some of them were hoping that he's a good man. They know goodness from him. Do you know what he says? I will tell you today what the Prophet Joseph, may peace be upon him, told his brothers. No retribution against you today. You can go today. You are all free. You are free. I'm not going to take revenge. Nothing. Guess what? 
These were non-Muslims, enemies of Islam who had fought and killed. And the Prophet Muhammad, towards the end of his life, he forgave them without retribution, revenge, and without any form of penalization. Subhanallah, where is that practice of Muhammad As a result, so many of them, they entered Islam. Just because they said, I can't believe it. This man actually forgave all of us. We're actually forgiven. And they started bearing witness one after the other. This is a gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters, the Islam that some deviant people seem to be promoting today is a cult of killing, intolerance, chaos, destruction of infrastructure, and the murder and mass massacre of Muslims and non-Muslims so sporadically that the innocent are losing their lives, I bear witness that that is not Islam. And I'm sure you bear witness that that has nothing to do with Islam. I gave you an example of how the chosen have faced the challenges. They face these challenges with clemency, with tolerance, with good words, with reaching out to people, with solutions to the crises that people were facing such that even the most ardent of enemies, they decided to accept Islam, seeing that it is indeed the solution to our problems. Take a look at Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu He was a man who was feared in Mecca. The challenge was there were very few Muslimin who were being persecuted. Umar went out to persecute. He went out to commit murder. He went out to assassinate Muhammad, peace be upon him. But Allah intended that with the good character of his own sister and his brother-in-law and so on, in a few moments, his heart was turned. Allahumma ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qulubana ala deenik. Oh Allah, in whose hands lies the turning of our hearts, turn our hearts towards the deen and not away from it. Amen. My brothers and sisters, like this, there are so many examples. I've only touched on the life of the chosen Muhammad, peace be upon him. The challenges, only some of them that he faced. I want you to go through the seerah, the life of Muhammad, the autobiography of the greatest of creation. Go through his life. Go through the challenges. And everything you read, ask yourself. Tell yourself, what are the challenges I am going through? Wallahi, you will find that the challenges you are going through are nothing compared to what he went through. Yet he was a happy man. He was so content. He went right up to the end. Subhanallah. He went through what is known as Sakaratul Maut, the pangs of death. He says, He spoke about how indeed death is very difficult. It has lots of pangs. The pangs, the pain, the final pain. Subhanallah, he was sweating, dabbing himself with water or asking his wife to dab him with water and so on. And subhanallah, yet he left with a smile. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. Not once did he say, why me? Not once. So my 
brothers and sisters in Islam, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us in the challenges we are facing. I made mention of accusation people are going through, the divorces that people are going through, the marital crises that people are going through, the wars that people are going through, the economic challenges that people are going through. I know we are going through hardship and difficulty, my brothers and sisters, sometimes it is not because we don't have what we need, it is because we don't have what we want. There's a difference between the two. Allah gave you exactly how much you need, but you want more than that. You can have a phone, but maybe it has to be an HTC, and you want the latest iPhone. So because you can't afford the disparity, you are depressed, and you are saying, oh Allah, grant me wealth. Allahu Akbar. Yeah, Allah says, I know I've given you something that you need, but now you want something. Don't blame Allah. Allah might not give it to you. Learn to adjust your life if hardship comes in your direction. Those who want to live a life beyond their salaries, those who don't know how to budget, those who don't know how to work out the income and the expenditure, they may be depressed, not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tested them with a difficult test, but because they are failing to understand the plan of Allah. Allah wants you to adjust your life. Maybe move out of your house, the rent is too high, go into a one-bedroom place which the rent is affordable in. So don't blame Allah for your woes. A lot of people are struggling and they complain about the burning economy or difficulties in economy. Yet Allah has given them enough. But only for their luxuries, they don't have enough money. We used to go on holiday twice a year, someone tells me. Now, I don't have money. I don't know. Wallahi, a holiday is a luxury. Some people have spent their whole lives. They don't even know what the meaning of the term holiday is. And they are happier than you and I. So this is why we need to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help. Adjust your life. Think about your problems. And ask yourself, have those whom Allah has chosen not been through bigger than this? Why is it that I can't go through? Why is it I'm finding it difficult? Sometimes we need a bit of guidance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. I've definitely overshot my time, but I'm sure it was worth it. It's not like I'm living in Davao, nor is it like I'm going to come back here every single week or every month. But inshallah, I hope to be meeting you again. And I hope and pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring us back here. Uh, and Allah has mercy on every single one of us work in the right direction for the positive development not only of the ummah of Muhammad وسلم, but remember to reach out to others because everyone you reach out to is a potential Muslim no matter who it is even if they are the enemies of Islam they are all potential Muslimin and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us the little sacrifice that we've made. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahum wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayki.